Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? I'll be coming to you each and every day with news of general interest. Interviews with our fascinating crew members, musical performances, recommendations for new holodeck programs, and of course, previews of upcoming meals. Everything from chlaka soup to zabi nuts. Space. The Final Frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Gimme That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Episode 22 of Gimme That Star Trek, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Siskoid, and today we're doing something special. I like to think that we always do something special. <laughs> it's a Star Trek cooking show. What? Now, first, let me introduce my guest cook from Ohatmu or Not here on the network, Amélie Montour. Hi, everyone. So, Amélie, are you a good cook? Uh, I like to think so. I cook a lot and I bake. A decent amount. <laughs> okay. I, I've seen some of your stuff on Instagram. The presentation is nice. We just can't taste. <laughs> I like to think that I cook well. Amelia and I will be using the Star Trek cookbook by Neelix himself, uh, Ethan Phillips, and also co-writer William J. Burns to prepare the three-course meal inspired by the worlds of Star Trek. But first, Amelia, we'll talk about this book later, but first, the listeners are interested in checking out your Trek credentials. Oh, God. That's how the show works. <laughs> uh, with our usual quiz... If you're ready, what does Star Trek mean to you? For me, it's always kind of been in the background. Uh, my dad's a Trekkie. He welcomes people with this at the door. Yeah. The live long and prosper yeah. hand signal. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to new people who come at my house think that my dad's weird. So he's always been a Trekkie. And uh, my mom hates the show because she thinks that it's just ugly alien faces. with the um, The ones with the big ears. Like the Ferengi? Yeah, she hates those. <laughs> she finds them really ugly. Um, I think they're supposed to be. Yeah, but um, we would watch it during dinner. It would play all the time. He has most of the old episodes taped and, like, cataloged in our basement. Old school. Yeah. Um, it's all Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care about Netflix. He has his tapes. If right. the house burns... Grab the tapes first. Um, his weird obsessions, um, like making me watch Enemy Mine as my rite of passage. Whatever. He likes rom-coms and uh, sci-fi things, which is a weird mix, but whatever. He's my dad. I love him. So it's always been kind of there. Sometimes I'd watch episodes. Sometimes I'd just kind of glaze over them. Some of the more like relationshipy, like random pregnant alien ones I'd watch more. Okay. Um... <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's always kind of been there. Uh, and when Mike said that he wanted me on this podcast because we we're trying to do like a whole I'm on every podcast thing. <laughs> trying to break the record. Yeah. I just thought about first because as a kid, I wouldn't notice as much of the story as like visual things. And I just always thought the food looked cool. So we started talking about that, and then Mike mentioned that there was a cookbook. So this is that's where the episode sprouted from. I quickly ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> there was also an earlier one, original series kind of stuff, but uh, that one's out of print. Favorite iteration of the show? Um, I guess the ones that played while I was a kid. So in the, like... 2000s early. I feel like I might have seen the same episodes like six or seven times. Yeah. I think we we watched Enterprise. I think that's the one that we watched the most. I haven't seen like the old episodes. Not that I don't want to. I have no time with my thesis. <laughs> Do you, Oh yeah, sure. Do you have a favorite character from that iteration or any iteration? No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, or even the movies, the J.J. Abrams movies. You've seen those? I really like Spock from those ones. Mm. Honestly, the character developments really good i find <laughs> and do you have a favorite alien species i was googling this last night and i decided that i liked the uh sneaky feminism of the orions the orions orions 
The Orions, as the cartoon series called them, but it's Orions. Anyways, they sound really cool. The slave um, girls. Yeah, but they're like actually enslaving men. Mm -hmm. Love that. <laughs> Living for that. It's the pheromonal powers, just yeah. like Spider-Woman. Yeah, well, you know, I, me and my role on pheromone bottle. Exactly. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, you should be listening to Hot More Not. Yeah, I, I have roll on pheromones. Not sure they work, <laughs> but they exist. Um, and yeah, and I saw that there's like these like fuzzy overpopulating. Are you talking about tribbles? Yes. It's like the most famous thing. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> Those are cute too. They're... My sister had one. It had a battery in it so they could purr. <laughs> It, it could not reproduce. They're basically like gerbils, like hamsters with no eyes, right? <laughs> <laughs> or legs. <laughs> yeah. It's just a reproductive system mm. and a gastrointestinal system, I guess. I saw online that they have like the anatomy of them. Of the triple. mapped out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could see them in the background. Like in Space Nine, there's a school and you could see it on the, it's not a chalkboard, it's like a computer screen. Mm. And then like the triple was on the sort of home screen of that thing. I guess whatever it eats, it just transforms into more tribbles. Oh my God. <laughs> Fabulous. But we, they only eat grain, so that's not a good recipe. Uh, <laughs> so what will we be cooking? Well, the Star Trek cookbook, currently in print, is a combination of recipes for foods presented on the show. Recipes submitted by the stars of the shows, up through Voyager. Uh, and tips on how to prepare Trek foods and drinks from the show's production designers. It's a really cool book. It's fun. Uh, it's also got, you know, uh, accompanying text that's sort of in-universe. Neelix telling us how he adapted the recipes to, to his needs. On yeah. Voyager. Gives you context, too, of, like, when they were introduced. And... Right. So, and there aren't a whole lot of pictures. There are no pictures of the foods, really. Not much. Uh, sometimes you get pictures of the shows, but it's not the same. So, that's maybe its weakness. You don't see the presentation or what it's supposed to look like. And even on the shows, I gotta say, it's not consistent. You might see the same dish twice and it won't look the same. Yeah. So, sometimes there are multiple recipes for the same thing or how to present the foods or the drinks. Because there's a, you know, you want to know how to make some tranya? It's in there, if that's what you want to do. It's not just tang. I thought, I thought it was just tang. <laughs> um, so it's an entertaining read yeah. in addition to having viable recipes. So what are we going to be preparing? No Klingon foods. No, that was the first step. <laughs> we looked at pictures. Because that's the most famous stuff. Oh my god. No. No gach. No. No rokeg blood pie. Bleh. <laughs> no, not even any blood wine. No. So what's the, what's the problem with... Blood. I usually made more palatable choices. These are the more palatable choices. Or worms. Oh, God. No, I don't eat, like, gizzards even cooked in life. <laughs> I don't eat stuffing with hearts. Heart of targ. No. <laughs> so, no thanks. I don't even like liver. Any kind of organs? No thanks. Because so. no. I like liver. I like blood sausage. I, yeah. like, I it was like the, the garburator at home, I guess. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too bad. So same thing. We're not going to be preparing any Ferengi foods because it's mostly maggots. No, thanks. Grubs. Yeah. It's all what? It's all like noodle recipes that you Yeah, said? yeah. All the substitutions in the book. If you can't find any gach, live gach, you're going to have to do with dead noodles. Udong noodles, you know, that kind of look worm-like. Yeah. What I don't like about the substitutions, because I'm sure it's not what the Klingons actually eat, is that there's a whole lot of sesame sauce in there, and mm. it's not my favorite. Is that what makes it look slimy? Maybe, or <laughs> that gives it a taste, I guess. Yeah. It makes the Klingons sound like they eat a lot of Asian fusion mm. kind of stuff, which makes sense, because they've got a samurai code kind of thing mm. going. Maybe they're kind of the Asian planets, yeah. if there's a parallel to be made. Yeah. Here's what we are preparing, though. A lovely, logical plomique soup. Mm -hmm. uh, the best-known dish of the planet Vulcan. Normally, it's fully vegetarian, but this is Kirk's recipe. So yeah. It's got a bit of chicken broth in there that I don't know that Spock would agree with. But we have a, a bunch of different recipes for that in the book. So we're going to try to put a couple of spices from other recipes in there. Right. Just to try to make a blend. Yeah, make it a little bit more spicy. Um, <laughs> and then we have uh, tojal in yamak sauce. That's a Cardassian seafood dish. Cardassians apparently eat a lot of seafood. They drink fermented fish juice. Mm. I mean, it seems to be a very... And since we're living on the Atlantic coast, it just makes sense that we would use... Uh, a seafood recipe would make sense. Yep. Although you don't eat much fish. No, I don't like fish. I do like other seafoods, though. <laughs> Anything but the fish, <laughs> really. Okay. And for dessert, uh, Captain Picard and Deanna Troy's Earl Grey chocolate cake. I'm excited. That was never seen on the show, but I don't think we could resist this one. Oh, it sounded so good. <laughs> and, and, and the ingredients were a lot easier to find. There's, like, 
six ingredients in there. <laughs> it's very easy. So let's go into the kitchen. Let's do it. All right, let's start. <laughs> uh, we're going to do this in the order that we need to do it. Yeah. So the dessert has to go into the oven f first. Yeah. This is going to be a lot of work. I hope you're ready, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Uh, yeah, because we're doing this, even though it's Star Trek, we're not replicating anything. No. All the food is fresh. And, <laughs> and we're not going to use a whole lot of motorized equipment to make the food. So we don't have access to it. <laughs> uh, also, the noise. Yeah. The noise for the podcast. So I'm going to be doing a lot of... Uh, Arm work. <laughs> musculature. Yeah. Stuff with uh, spoons. Our dessert, as we have said, is Picard and Troy's Earl Grey chocolate cake. Yeah. I'm excited. This would have been perfect for a diplomatic shindig where both of them have to be. Troy is addicted to chocolate. Earl Grey is Captain Picard's tea. So uh, this is uh, this is what we're going to try to do. So what you need is a three-quarter cup or one and a half sticks of butter, which I will have to soften by hand, <laughs> a three-quarter cup of sugar, three large eggs, two tablespoons Earl Grey tea. Which it, we have steeping. It is infused. We don't put the herbs directly into the cake, sadly, because that kind of sounded cool. We're infusing the tea as we speak. Three to quarter cup sifted self-rising cake flour. Mm -hmm. There it is. And grated rind from two oranges. Don't worry, you're not wasting the oranges. They come back later in the icing. Let's preheat the oven uh, to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> and uh, we now have to grease and line a large loaf pan. Uh, instead, we have like a pie pan. Yeah, we have like a cake pan um, because I, I thought round would be nice. <laughs> It may be against all the rules of anything that we're doing correctly, but whatever. So we're going to take, because you don't bake, right? Baking. I don't. No, I'm a, I'm a cook. I do a lot of improv while I'm cooking. I like to mix new ingredients together. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes not so good. But usually it is good. But baking is not. It's chemistry. It's not my thing. It's hard. Okay, so the first thing you do when you're actually lining and greasing, I don't know if you know this, you put the lining in the top. So that when you're taking the cake out, it doesn't stick. So you can you can take the um, the cake out and then peel off the top part, and it doesn't stick in the bottom of the pan and like have like a right. A, I would just have sprayed it. I mean, we can do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's let's well, do gonna, it as Neelix taught us here. So you have to trace the bottom of the pan with the paper, and then cut it up. So we're gonna need scissors, and we're gonna need a pencil, I guess. I can just score it, maybe. You're scoring all the points. <laughs> well, no points. It's a circle. <laughs> it doesn't have to be exact. Okay, so it's just like the circle of the bottom. It's yeah. not going to go up the sides. No. No, the greasing will be done on the sides. Okay. Things I'm learning. You're going to be a baking pro after this, because I am, clearly. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> perfect. See, last time I did this was for... Uh, for the raspberry lemon cake I made for Easter, and it worked out really well, so we're just gonna pray that it works out well. And now you take the butter, and you can put a little bit on the bottom of Okay, so we're greasing it with butter. butter. A little bit of butter on the bottom of the paper, and it helps it to just kind of stay in place while you're doing your thing. What about other greasy things? Uh, you could probably use, like... Hair. <laughs> I would not recommend that one. <laughs> there, there is a recipe for hair pasta in the book that is actual, supposed to be actual hair from an alien, but we're not making that. <laughs> yeah, we had to make some important choices. Yes. We've been meeting for weeks and weeks. <laughs> okay, you grease the bottom of the parchment paper. Just a tad. And so that's sticking, and that'll be easy to, to pop out later yeah. on because it's greased, and you grease the sides. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's next? Starting to mix, I imagine? <laughs> oh, yes. Let's cream together the butter and sugar until light and fluffy. This is the mussels part. Because i got to soften the butter in the first place. <laughs> so here we need a stick and a half. The softening the butter is just leaving it on the counter. You know that. Right? Okay, good. If that's all it was, then I've done my job. Oh, yes. Just, it feels just, very soft. It yeah, feels softer. It's just thawing it out, really. Cool. Let's cut ourselves half a stick. There we go. Too much muscle because it's already pretty. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. All right. So in a bowl, which I have a lot of affection for, 
<laughs> I like this bowl. It's, it, it is always the bowl that you use when we I use potlucks. it for all sorts. We potluck a lot. I don't know if it's a lot, but it's a regular. Amount. It's regular. <laughs> I shouldn't be eating the butter. My stepdad used to eat fresh butter in his parents' basement where they made it, and they just let it congeal, mm-hmm. and he got jaundice. Oh, no! Yes. I guess if you overeat a lot of butter. How much sugar? Three quarters of. Let's cream this stuff together by hand. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're using a small spoon. The big spoon will come in later. Yeah. Shout out to the Ohatmo fans out there. There's a big spoon. <laughs> Always wins. So why am I losing with this small spoon? <laughs> why am I a loser here? So normally, if you were on a starship, you would not have to do this by hand. I'm not even sure what procedures would be on a starship. <laughs> An alien slave to do it for you? Is that a thing? No. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're the good guys. We don't, we don't have slaves. Oh, okay. I don't know. I just passively watch this show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're going to have to guide me through this. It's like the uh, episode of the one where we talked about Cap and the team-up. We're like, I kind of know what I'm talking about, but not really. <laughs> There's charm in that, I think. <laughs> right? Let's hope. Right? Sound out in the comments below. <laughs> Yeah, you drink your wine. I'll, I'll be a while. I'll be a while. It's going well. You're doing great. We have achieved fluffiness. You sure cream that butter, Mike. <laughs> uh, okay, so now we have to uh, inject some eggs in there. Oh, God. So we okay. have to, uh, one egg at a time, okay. and beat it in. Since you're not a baker, do you know how to crack an egg with one hand? Oh, no, no. I, well, I don't usually okay, do it. Look at this expertise. Beautiful. Is it supposed to have all the shells in there? (laughs) My uncle taught me that when I was very young. The skill that I got. I don't have that many like actual like trick skills. I don't have any hand-eye coordination, but I can crack an egg with one hand. Must be some beautiful sound. Well, not that. (laughs) That makes it. That's just the gross. But I had a roommate who would make pasta and then come in my room and just stir it. Because it makes a really gross-ass sound. So here I've jettisoned the wooden spoon, and I'm using a whisk. You know what you're doing, sort of. He's sweating, ladies and gents. <laughs> you're, you're turning red, though. <laughs> it's hot in here. We put the oven on, and uh, yeah, it's uh, summer's coming on. So, all right, this looks good, right? Yep, that looks great. Okay. Yes, now we will add the actually the grated rind. Oh. Two whole oranges worth of rind. <laughs> looks disgusting. Which kind of looks like... Oh, it smells delightful. Yes, now it's a very fresh citrusy mm. orange smell. Right, and the flour. Perfect. Which is how much? Three quarters of a cup. So the same cup as we had earlier. Yep. Get that in there. Put too much. Too much. But at one time. Should have folded it in. <laughs> oh, now you're the extra. <laughs> uh, yeah. We get to put the, the tea in there. Ooh. So two tablespoons of that Earl Grey tea to give it that Captain Picard flavor. So we put two tea bags into a uh, who's who. Into a zoom's cup. who cup. It should be really potent. Hopefully it has a lot of great Earl Grey flavor. So the Earl Grey should have like a spicier kind of yeah, punch a, to it. A kick. Than uh, a lot of other teas. Picard drinks it. He's a spicy guy. And also has kind of a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. also has kind of a citrusy turn, right? Let's taste it. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'd say so. I guess it matches well with the orange that we already put in there. Mm. So now this looks good. We're gonna be putting it right down into the pan. Already? You good at this? You wanna do it? <laughs> Don't uh, throw away the tea. You'll need it for later. Looks like cornbread. That color. Same kind of chunkiness. It said bread pan, but we're doing it in a As cake a cake. pan. Yeah. Yeah, so extra fun. <laughs> Just make your uh, make the cake the same shape as uh, Troy's body and make that peptide cake from the, from the Phantasms <laughs> episode. There, that recipe is also in the book, the mint frosting. So if you want to do a data cake, uh, you can. Oh, it looks great. Um, Very good. 
And it's self-rising flour we have in there. It looks flat now, but it shouldn't. Right. So we put it in the oven for 30 to 40 minutes. Okay. Timing it. Okay. There we go. Right. 30 to 40 minutes or until the toothpick comes out fine. You know, yeah. you know how cakes work. <laughs> At which point we'll remove it from the oven. So that was our, our first step. Yeah. We're doing it first because we want the cake to cool. So it's going to cool while we're doing other things. With the cake in the oven... We're going to start preparing the plomique soup. Yep. So what does this entail? Uh, we have to chop some carrots, celery, onions. We need a... And we're going to cut the recipe in half because this is okay. eight portions and we're only two. <laughs> um, so we're going to do a half a cup of chopped onions, two and a half cups of chopped celery, two cups of chopped carrots, and then the rest is butter, broth, cream, pepper, salt to taste. Pretty but, but we're also going to add some extra spice to that. Yeah. So there's, like we said, there's other recipes for plomik soup in the book. And we're going to try to integrate a couple of ingredients like nutmeg and garlic and different things. All right. So let me uh, chop some stuff. And uh, we're going to just time travel to the, the future and come back once these things are actually in small pieces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Vulcan plumic soup. And I'll bet you made it, too. You never give up hoping, do you? Well, uh... Mr. Spock hasn't been eating, Doctor, and I, I just happened to notice. What is this? Ah! Crying. If I want anything from you, I'll ask for it. We couldn't find any fresh plumic. No. So we replaced them with celery. I don't know. They said in the book that it might have been a squash. That was a thing. Okay. <laughs> Here's a story from the book. We went to the grocery store. Yes. And the uh, plumic. Autoplomique, okay. But the book said in one of the recipes, which was the spicier recipe, yeah. also the more complicated recipe that we should have started yesterday because we had to like soak beans, soak beans, and that's not going to happen. They they talked about a certain squash that you could replace the plomique with to make the more orange color. Right. That plomique soup sometimes has. And they said, well, it's a Korean squash. You kind of have to go to an Asian market. So we make other plans. And we get to the grocery store, and the the squash that I always buy, the orange squash that I always buy. That's the one. That that was the one that I never picked up on the name. I used just called it squash, and that was the squash, mm -hmm. the 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 kabacha squash. And we had dismissed that recipe because we were like, oh shit, uh, we have to go to an Asian market. We're not gonna we're not gonna find that. We're no, you know. We have some beans. So I thought, and I was thinking, oh, why don't they just use that the normal squash? <laughs> Yep. And it is the normal squash. You don't go to that Asian market. Maybe, you know, depends on your country. Yeah, I don't know. I guess in Canada, maybe it's more common? It's certainly not coming from Korea. I, that, that, that stuff grows here. Although, if you watch a South Korean movie, and then you come to New Brunswick, it's kind of the same thing. Really? It looks the same. A lot more pine trees over there. But even so, I got a pine tree right there looking at me through the window, yeah. as trees do. <laughs> Staring. So we've got a similar kind of terrain. Similar terrain. We got similar the way the the roads are. You know, I watch Korean movies and I think, oh, this could have been shot here. And so we have the same squash. End of story. So assuming that the book is American. Talaxian slash American. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so assuming that maybe it's probably more rare there. I don't maybe know. you don't get. You guys don't have the same squash. I don't know. Tell us. But uh, you could also put that in that yeah. recipe. We're using celery. <laughs> Pretty much the same texture, and right? And carrot. Carrots are supposed to be the orange. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, it it would be completely different textures though, because that one was asking for squash and zucchini. All right, so I just finished the onions. I am not crying because I used an old wives' trick that I did not know. You put a piece of bread in your mouth, and it's delicious for one thing because I love bread. <laughs> it also blocks whatever the fumes. Coming off the onion. Yeah. I have decided this is just a mom trick to eat bread when you're on a diet. <laughs> well, it works. Yeah, but I have to way. put it in my mouth. <laughs> so it's just a half a cup of uh, onions that we are now sauteing. Yep. And we added a little bit of garlic to add in some of the spices. And it's going already. Using a big spoon. So, so you're going to saute that for a few minutes. Yep. Until fragrant. Okay, and uh, then we'll be adding the carrots in there. So uh, I'm just going to clean up my station. So the onions are, well, more than transparent there. Yeah, they're getting brown. Right, and uh, we're going to add the carrots. Yep. Yeah. So I chop finely. 
pretty finely, I guess. Yeah, and we have to let this brown for 30 minutes. Oh, so good. <laughs> so I don't know. It doesn't have any further instructions. Yeah. Like stir frequently or anything. So we're just gonna go with intuition. <laughs> In any case, plumy soup is necessarily a desert dish. Vulcan is a desert planet. So that's why I think we're going to be putting more spices in it than Kirk would. Kirk's recipe is very... Well, that's not bland. It's got pepper. <laughs> no, but it is at the spice level that Kirk could take. Yeah. So I'm sure that desert people in general... I mean, you, you eat foods from desert countries. Yeah. And it's usually very spicy or spicier. We're somewhere in between bland and desert people. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be putting in, for example, we've got more garlic in there. We've got things that, how do we say this, sting the tongue a little more. Yeah. That's how we eat, even though we're from bland stock. <laughs> I'd say French Canadians or Canadians are in the category of you know, very bland meat and potatoes. Yeah. Except my dad. My dad's all about the spice. So am I, and I don't know if I picked it up when I lived down south uh, probably. for Mexican food, but... Yeah. Um, My dad was in the Air Force, so he traveled a lot. He went to Egypt and to the North Pole <laughs> and Haiti, so... Hmm. So anyway, we're young professionals, and that means we were foodies, and we eat you know, many different kinds of foods, more than what our parents possibly yeah. ate, or our ancestors. So we're made to just like stock up on fat. But Yeah, because our ancestors are meant to just stock up on salt because they would salt food to conserve it. So everybody is real salty. My boyfriend's grandmother salts chicken burgers <laughs> at the restaurant. She'd like open the bun. That's too much, guys. It depends. I, I do put salt on pasta because I don't like spaghetti, so I put the spaghetti sauce on the side and then I eat the noodles with just salt. Well, that's just it. Just, that's if you're trying to hide the taste. <laughs> but I think it's the, the height of insult when you're in a restaurant, and not a, like a shitty restaurant, but a good restaurant, and you're, you'll just change the the recipe on your own at the table? No. I think if there's enough like other spices, you don't need as much salt. You need a little bit of salt to bring out the flavors. And it's already in the recipe. It should, if you're in a good restaurant. I find other flavors more fun. All right, so this has got to brown like 30 minutes. Yeah, I put a timer. Are the carrots brown? They don't look that brown. No, they're cooked. I'm gonna put the heat up a little bit just to kind of grill them, I guess, before we toss in, what are we tossing in next? The celery. celery. Perfect. So now the carrots have browned under low fire, although we sort of upped it a bit. Yeah. Maybe low fire is hotter on Vulcan. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna add the celery. Yep. So this is gonna be 10 minutes, still on low heat, and uh, just so it gets uh, soft. Yeah, I don't know. I've never cooked celery for a soup, so we'll see. This is going to make a lot of soup. <laughs> well, it still serves four <laughs> once we're done. And, of course, uh, celery is all water, so yeah, it that's, that's going to reduce. It might just all evaporate. I don't know. <laughs> so while the celery is cooking, we're going to have to make our own... Old Bay season. Old Bay seasoning. Okay, this is something that we couldn't find uh, in stores. Yeah, we had no idea what it was to begin with, and uh, we <laughs> went to like a bulk spice and uh, cooking ingredients store, and they said that you can only find it at Costco, which is a wholesale store, which sells it in like very Bar barrels. <laughs> yeah. So um, we found a recipe online. If you guys uh, have Old Bay seasoning, send it to our PO box. <laughs> Right. It's either that or crab boil, which we also didn't find. So uh, this is for the... We're just prepping for the um, tojal. Tojal. For the Cardassian tojal. So it's a, it's a shrimp-like animal, I guess, a crustacean, and it requires that spice in the cooking of it. So we're going to make the spice ourselves. Yes. We're going to make that mix ourselves. So what do we need here? We have cayenne pepper, black pepper, uh, dry mustard powder... Uh, we do not have nutmeg, so pumpkin pie seasoning we'll have to do. Because uh, it needs cinnamon as well, so... Yeah, uh, celery, salt, and paprika. Okay, so those are the basics. So, one tablespoon of celery salt, a quarter teaspoon of paprika. We have a half, so we're just gonna eyeball that. <laughs> Alright. Uh, one eighth of a teaspoon of black pepper. 
So a story while we're doing this about spices. <laughs> when I was a kid, the first recipe I ever made was a spice soup. A spice soup? So my mom had this rack. This is actually the bottle from that rack, the my paprika. Mom, my mom has some of that, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. The Schwartz ones. And uh, had the whole rack. So we just put all the spices we could in the same pot of water. It's cold <laughs> water. We're not. We're kids. I'm seven in the story. It's not a recipe. It's just you that decided to make spice soup. We just put the spice <laughs> in the cold water. And then, well, of course, we had to get rid of the evidence. So I tried to move the pot towards the sink. And I drop it. And it splashes all over my sister, who was like five, and it burned her. <gasps> the s- spices can burn you oh, without no. heat. Oh, no. Yes, I learned my lesson that day. <laughs> I guess. Jeez. <laughs> I used to make, um, my mom had a baby powder for, like, to put in a diaper, like a small bottle of, like, not just, like, Johnson & Johnson, but, like, a really cute specialty bottle of baby powder. And it was in, like, a shaker, so I felt like it was a spice, so I would cook with it. Like in my little child kitchen, like plastic Fisher Price kitchen. So I would just put baby powder in water, and it would make like a because it's kind of like flour, so it would make kind of like a paste. Mm. Okay, so what were the uh, we talked over the the recipe here, but what were the proportions of this? Um... Uh, so one tablespoon celery salt, uh-huh. a quarter teaspoon paprika, one eighth of a teaspoon cayenne pepper, one eighth of a teaspoon chi- uh, black pepper. Uh, one pinch of dry mustard, one pinch of ground mace or nutmeg, and one pinch of ground cinnamon. So those last two ingredients are, we're just gonna do pumpkin spice. We're taking risks. That's my kind of cooking. Pumpkin spice seafood. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. This is a weird mix. If anyone uses Old Bay spice, I don't know what it actually tastes like. Give us an idea of if it tastes like pumpkin. (laughs) I imagine it doesn't. Stirring that up. And now we have our... Old Bay seasoning. Our Cardassian seasoning. Do you want to taste this? Do you want to see what it tastes like? Okay. (laughs) 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 It's very salty. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It's it's most... Oh, it's it's got got a heat. It's got a heat in the back of the throat. Most of it is celery salt, so I can imagine it's very... Okay. (laughs) It mostly just tastes like celery salt. Exactly. (laughs) All right, so now the celery is uh, ready, I guess. Yeah. We're going to add to the mixture... Two cups of chicken broth. Again, this is the half recipe. Serves four. I think that's enough. Such sound. (laughs) There, two cups. Two cups. Because it's a half recipe, we're going to put half a tablespoon... Teaspoon? Teaspoon. Half a teaspoon of pepper in there. And I think we're going to add some of the spices from the other recipe, weren't we? Yeah. Like a a ground clove or something. This isn't a lot of liquid. <laughs> no, but it's going to be... A chunky soup. It's going to be in there for an hour. Everything's going to break down. It's all going to melt. <laughs> Is that your comprehension of how cooking vegetable works? <laughs> Just melt down. It's gonna melt. Um, if you cook anything long enough, it's gonna disintegrate. Correct. <laughs> or evaporate enough. <laughs> Smells good. So just to make it spicier and more Vulcan, maybe uh, we ground a clove in there and added um, some curry powder. Yeah. Curry but powder is probably the main spice I use. All right. Foods. I'm not a huge fan of curry powder. I guess I've just had a lot of just like plain curry noodles. I'm not a huge fan of, hmm. but I think when I it's... put it in mac and cheese. Really, that's interesting. Hmm. I'm sure it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I like it more blended into things, so it might be delicious here. And by by ground clove, we mean vigorously chopped by Mike with a very large knife. <laughs> yes. So this is gonna simmer for an hour uh, with a closed pot. We put the cover on it. So we're just gonna check back in in an hour. Oh my god. And meanwhile, we'll be making tourjal. With yamak sauce. And our homemade old basis. I took the liberty of preparing a few of our special Kardashian delicacies. Tojal in yamak sauce. All fresh, not replicated. It's just, I don't really care for Kardashian cuisine. We try to avoid it whenever possible. <laughs> <laughs> Tojal cannot be found on Earth. Disappointing. So instead we got tiger shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Tojal-esque. Is it? I don't I, know. I gotta think. I gotta think it's similar to Tojal, 
So uh, we substituted the tajal for shrimp, but uh, you know it should be the same, especially once we start the cooking of it. So what goes into this uh, into the pot? Beer. Oh, yeah, there's no water. <laughs> no. It's going to be beer. one tall beer. Yeah, and we got we tried to uh, look for the most tricky beer that we could find, and we chose Tuborg beer. It's a premium beer of some sort. It has the word Borg in it, so you get it. We didn't even look what kind of beer it was. We just picked the name. Yeah. I wanted a Klingon beer. There's there's like this brewery over here, I guess. Makes like a Klingon beer. Could not find it, sadly. That would have been great. But Tuborg will do. It is a premium gold beer from Copenhagen. <laughs> there you go. So let's just uh, drip this down into... Yes. So we're going to put... Uh, about the whole beer, or less, like if uh, a 20 ounce, no, a 12 ounce beer will do. You want to sip? See if it's good. <laughs> you can finish it. It's like a spicier Heineken. The shrimp are going to boil in this. So again, here we made a half recipe. The full recipe uh, requires like 24 tojal. That's crazy. That's too many shrimp. <laughs> so we're just going to do 12. And that's going to boil in here with also the spice that we uh, prepared. So a tablespoon of... Of the homemade Old Bay seasoning. And are we putting in with the with the tails, the shrimp? Uh, let's keep the tails, okay. I guess. It wasn't very expensive. It was... Like uh, three bucks. Three so bucks for 12 shrimp. A full tablespoon of the Old Bay, or our version of it. Three cloves, half a tablespoon pickling spice. There's a lot of different ingredients in this pickling spice, and I'm afraid to not get all of it. Because <laughs> there's like bay leaves and stuff. I don't know. I'm just okay. going to get yeah, in there. Try to get as much of this stuff. So we put two, three or four cloves in the mixture. And my Half God, a, this, this stuff has all sorts of weird... Yeah, no, it's freaking weird. I don't even know it's in pickling spice, but it's a lot of weird shit. Okay. So that goes in there. Okay. I think that's what you put in pickles. Like actual... Yeah. I know it's pickling spice, but yes. like... I think when you get a jar of pickles, that's what's in there. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, Two cloves of garlic sliced. So, do a quick slice of that. Did you know that when you chop garlic or you're eating seafood or anything, that the scent stays on your hands? You can, while you're washing your hands at the sink, uh, rub them on the stainless steel and it takes away the scent. Proven fact. So now it's gonna, we're just gonna... <laughs> it's fizzing because of the beer. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so we're gonna boil this. For about 15 minutes. Or until the shrimp are pink and tender. Which should be similar time. Yeah. Excellent. Now, tajal, normally, we'll have to make a yamak sauce in the meantime. Yeah. And that's what you dip the uh, tajal into. Now, yamak sauce is very famous. It's in everything the Cardassians use. There's always yamak sauce. And it's, uh, you know, it, you, you, you see it a lot. But what happens in real life with real Cardassians, they will eat tajal as an appetizer until there's no yamak sauce left. Yeah, basically. that's in the book. It's yeah. very specific so about it. <laughs> once there's just enough yamak sauce for the main course, then they they stop serving mm -hmm. the tojal. So tojal are like addictive popcorn kind of food. Yeah, that you can go on and on about. So we maybe should have made the 24 of them. <laughs> yeah, apparently it would only cost uh, like six bucks a shrimp. Yeah, I, that's crazy. Tojal, probably more expensive. It's fine. All right, so 50 minutes of this. Meanwhile, we'll make the yamak sauce. And it's very easy to make <laughs> yamak sauce. <laughs> Only three ingredients in yamak sauce, as humans might make it. So first is... Half a cup teriyaki sauce. This is a half recipe in any case. Yeah. It says Japanese on the bottle, so it's got to be authentic. Mm. VH has the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the cheapest we could find. Okay, and then uh, how, how much soya sauce? Quarter cup. And then, it just looks like black, a black <laughs> liquid on a black liquid. Yep. Considering the teriyaki sauce is full of soy sauce, I don't know. And then half a teaspoon of lemon juice. So we've got a fresh lemon. We're going to cut it and spritz it. Good. Stir and ready to serve. We're good. What is that piece of... It's uh, lemon seed. <laughs> well, at least now I can taste it. I think that's going to be good. Yeah. I'll put this on the table. It's Excellent. ready. Oh. While we're waiting, the tajal is served on ice in cocktail glasses. So I'm going to crush some ice here just to make it prettier. 
Not how you crush ice. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. And then get the hammer to that it. That makes more sense. <laughs> Look at this. It's a little crushed. <laughs> I feel like I loosened it for you. <laughs> there's ice everywhere. Right, I think the uh, tojal is cooked, so we're going to set it aside for when we're ready to eat. That's, how it, that's what we're supposed to do, let it cool a bit. So while the tojal are now cooling, we'll be making the icing yep. for the cake, which is has cooled. Yep, so we just squeeze the shit out of two oranges. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't know, it's very hard to squeeze an orange that doesn't have the rind anymore. Uh, <laughs> would not recommend, it's very messy. So that's, that's going to be a component. We're going to mix this in. With half a cup sugar in a pot on the burner. All right, so now we gently heat the orange juice and the sugar together in a saucepan until the sugar is dissolved. And once that's done, we'll bring it to a boil for about a minute or two. Yeah. And that will be poured over the cake. Yeah, we're basically making a syrup to make like an au jus. Au jus. On the cake. Okay, so that's just gonna go seep right into the cake. So we're gonna drop the syrup Onto this, it's going to seep into the cake. Yeah, we made little scores on the cake. So right, it it's in. been scored. And then uh, we'll be melting chocolate and putting that on top once it's cooled. So it's, so it's going to just go maybe exciting. make like a hard crust or something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. There's <laughs> <laughs> something really soggy. I don't know. We are ready to proceed with the juicing. <laughs> so we're just going to drip that orange juice, sugar concoction all over the cake and let it get absorbed. Right now there's like a liquid on top of it, but it's gonna, it's already starting to seep in on the edges. So we let that do its magic. Meanwhile, we melted chocolate. We, mel we melted chocolate. Siskoid burned it. <laughs> and, and we were This is the baking part. You don't trust me with the baking part. We were saying that we were gonna do it in the microwave so that we don't burn it. <laughs> and then we did anyway. <laughs> Good thing there's no fire alarm because it would have gone off. <laughs> it's not really getting soggy. Mm. And here we should put, apparently, for extra, we should put some of the Earl Grey tea oh, that we yeah. kept into the chocolate. Okay. So we reheated the tea a little bit just to make sure that it's just a half teaspoon. Just a little bit into the chocolate mixture and hopefully that'll give the chocolate an aroma. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And right. onto the cake. No, the cake has to be... Uh, remove. We transfer that first. Yep. The uncaking. All right. And I'm just gonna remove the paper that's underneath while we're at it. Staying together and did not stick to the pan, so that's yeah. good. Kept its shape. It's got a nice crunchy exterior. Yeah, which didn't really get soggy with putting the syrup on there, so that's good. Mm -hmm. And now we're just gonna pour the chocolate. Pour spread. Spread. <laughs> The chocolate on top there. It's not the most spreadable mixture. I think I want to leave like a rim. Really? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Normally, it wouldn't be like a large circle, so maybe... Yeah, it would have been easier, maybe. It's not spreading that great. This won't be the most photogenic of the foods. Like a star. It's like the corona of a star. <laughs> when you see it, think of that, and it's very Star Trek-y. I don't know. I'm starting to pull up cake while I'm spreading the chocolate. Yeah, that always happens to me. <laughs> Whatever, we worked hard. I'm pretty satisfied. <laughs> Good enough. That's why I don't bake. Well, me? How about like a like a flash of powdered sugar or something? Oh, uh, maybe that would hide how gross it was. <laughs> Do I have that? Our cocoa powder, maybe. Yeah, you're doing it. You're doing it. That looks uh cratery, right? Yeah, it's a planet. There you go. <laughs> We're right. trying to make ourselves feel Boom. better. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. No, that's but look, cute. look, you can see the crust. Like, I liked it before the chocolate. Yeah, same. I'm not a big chocolate spread kind of yeah. icing kind of person. All right. I think that looks great. Really? I never met a chocolate I didn't like. It's not just a matter of taste. It's the whole experience. Relish every bite. Make everyone an event. And then, with the last spoonful, close your eyes. I had no idea it was such a ritual. Chocolate is a serious thing. We're at the testing stage. We've played it. We've been cooking for the past four or five hours. 
Um, four hours, yeah. Four hours. We put the plating on uh, fireandwaterpodcast.com. So there's a picture of the recipe book and there's a picture of the, the recipes are, are going to be scanned so that if you want to try to reproduce them, you totally can. And uh, now it's the the tasting of it. Either way, we, we made two appetizers, a soup and the tojao, which are supposed to be an appetizer. So we could go either way here. Yep. We'll start with the soup. Yep. The most anticipated mm, <laughs> moment. This is the one I expect not to like so much. Yeah, we've we've been um, adding salt <laughs> for the past 45 Despite minutes. Despite what we said earlier. I was we, expecting more of a cream. But we, we just dumped a bunch of cream we in We've been to put a bit of cream in it just to make give it like a like a solid color. Because otherwise, it's just a vegetable broth. Yeah, it's just broth and celery and carrots. All right. Well, it's probably very hot. Mm, it's not bad. Well, the vegetables are cooked and soft. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was a fear. Oh, yeah? Didn't trust my brownie? Well, you know what makes this? That's the curry powder. Yeah, it's the spices that we added that weren't actually in the recipe. Yeah, I think Yatin Kirk's Plumique Soup is probably pretty... Bland and boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we we were tasting it before the ingredients that we added extra were infused into it, and it didn't taste like much. But, you know, I know, I'm actually, I'm liking this. Mm-hmm. I'm liking it as a sort of curry soup, as a, like an Indian style. It's actually really good. The more I'm tasting it, the more I like it. Yeah. It's got a certain sweetness. It's also got a certain, uh, you know, like a back of the throat spice. So in the end, we did... And it's hearty. It's, it's heartier than like autumn soup. In the end, we did Kirk's recipe with a little bit of curry and two cloves, or one clove, and uh, yep. a fuckery ton of salt. <laughs> <laughs> but you know why it's so good? Very. We improvised. Our, <laughs> that's my thing. Okay. So now, this is how you eat tojal. We put it in martini glasses on ice. Very hard, hard-earned ice. <laughs> the way the Cardassians eat it is with a... Like two, fondue pick. Yeah, like a, a two-pronged fork. Mm-hmm. And they dip it in the yamik sauce. And then... Okay. <laughs> down the hatch. So let's try this. Okay. It smells like white girl on a pier with the pumpkin spice. So what's the star here? Is it the shrimp or it's the sauce? Uh, no, I think the yamik sauce goes with everything. So okay. the shrimp is the star. Okay. The tajal is the star. I want to also taste the tajal without the yamik sauce, just to make sure. You know, just to see what the beer and the weird mm-hmm. spices did. That's actually really good. It is. I was not expecting that. <laughs> What's well, a cold shrimp? I thought this was going to be bad. Really? I really thought this was going to be bad. Well, I, I said earlier... I mean, there's way too much yamik sauce. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, even a half recipe. Yeah. That is... A lot. A lot of yamik sauce. I'm yeah. going to have to save it. You're going to have to do something with that. Do You're something dipping with that. everything within dr- yamik Because it's just watery. I mean, it, it doesn't stick on the yeah. on the shrimp. There, there's we, no way I'm ever going to get to the bottom of this. Maybe we should have gotten a thicker teriyaki. Mm-hmm. I think it does need the yamik. Yeah. But the Old Bay was weird. And I just... No. <laughs> I, I was scared. So I'd rather, I think I'd rather eat it with the the yamik sauce. Yeah, the yamik sauce makes it. Yeah. But I'm very impressed because it's it's a weird clash of flavors. Because when you first presented me the recipe, <laughs> it sounded like two completely different waves of thought <laughs> food. Well, the pickling. <laughs> yeah, the pickling spice and I don't know, man. But I, I don't know. I'm really liking this. Might have to make some of that old bay again. <laughs> well, obviously, we could have eaten 12 of these each. Yeah. Like the, the 24 yeah. version. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, just popping your mouth and done. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed because I, I don't like shrimp rings. Right. I don't... No, no, neither do I. I don't but like the taste. But this takes what, away, like, the aftertaste that I don't like. you know like. what it's missing? Yeah, mix sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, screw marinara sauce mm-hmm. or whatever they have in there. Yeah. Shrimp cocktail sauce. Yeah, mix sauce. Yeah, mix sauce. Is Everybody thing. should pick up on that. Get on this yeah, mix sauce drink. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm guessing a Kardashian banquet. Mm. These things keep coming. You don't even ask to ask. They're just, they keep bringing buckets to the table. Yeah. I'm, I would go to that. I don't usually like shrimp that much. And this is good. Highly recommend. Get on this ship, guys. <laughs> See what I did there? I said I said ship instead of boat. That's good. Yeah, I totally, I geek sometimes. <laughs> Actually, the, what we made as far as a two-course meal is very odd because it's like hearty, hot... You know, like warms warms your soul, and then there's like these cold shrimp <laughs> summer cocktail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on a terrace. Yeah, one of them will fill you to the brim, and the other one is like, oh, I could eat these all day. In other words, you've got like two possible 
Yeah. <laughs> one is to be eaten by the fire. The other one on a beach. It's water <laughs> and fire. I didn't plan that. <laughs> so that was surprisingly enjoyable. Yeah, I was really impressed. But we're up to the dessert, which has looked pre-icing. has looked great from the get-go. I love this crust. It looks like a citrusy kind of cake. Soft and moist. Yeah, it looks kind of spongy, but with a yeah. good crust. Let's uh, cut into it. Well, this half now, I'll take that half. <laughs> We're going to have to leave some for the, uh, for the hot girls. crew for tomorrow. Of course, by the time you hear this, everybody's going to already... So we're expecting here a sort of orangey kind of chocolate cake or yeah. cake with chocolate icing. It smells really good. What I'm looking to taste is... The Earl Grey. The Earl Grey, which is both inside the pastry and in the icing. It kind of looks like a pineapple upside down. Yeah, that's the texture. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly the texture. So it's a little uh, stockier. It's a little... oh. Look at that moistness of the jus. <laughs> of the jus. Of the jus. All right. One, two, three. Hmm. Well, the texture is great. Mm-hmm. All the sponginess of it. I hope that keeps for tomorrow. <laughs> when yeah. I, when I offer it to other people. Maybe put it in the fridge. Maybe it's not going to last the night. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you. This is really good. I gotta say, I, I don't know if there's enough pieces for everyone else. I'm so impressed with all of this. Yeah. The cake is great. I, I would eat the cake without that icing. <laughs> Easily. I think the icing is the sore spot. It, I mean, it's just chocolate. There's no... Yeah. Do you... Does it taste the Earl Grey? I think a bit. It's very subtle. I'm not sure if it's the orange or the Earl Grey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think so. There's not that much of it in there. No. I wonder if we like, just like... We should have just done the, her- the herbs. Open up the little bags. <laughs> put those herbs right in the cake. Sprinkle some on top for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's an aroma here that's just, that's not just... The orange or the anything we put in it, it mm-hmm. might be the tea. Yeah, like a nerfy. Yeah, especially in the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's where the tea is. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, it's a tea that's already citrusy. Yeah. Uh, I think it's easy to confuse those flavors. I think yeah. they probably support one another. The texture is delightful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part. <laughs> oh my god! I thought it would get soggy, but it didn't. No, it's it's very it's like spongy. It, it's soaked in. It's perfectly. a beauty. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a real black forest cake or something. A little kirsch. What's that? It's a it's like a, it's a liqueur based on black cherries. Okay. In a real black forest cake, not those shitty ones that they sell at the store. I don't like black forest cake. Well, no. because you've never had a real one. <laughs> and the real one has is, is it has this texture. What's your favorite kind of cake? That's it. That's it. My stepmom used to make... This is a very strange episode where I have a stepfather and a stepmother, but... <laughs> my, my stepmom is a baker. She used to make the, the black forest. It was a real black forest from, like, high-end restaurant type. The Kirsch... The broken pieces of chocolate, not those shavings, not those crappy shavings. Like it's like sheets of chocolate. When they moved to Texas, they had to make the sheets themselves. So she would melt down the chocolate, make a sheet, and break it into pieces because you couldn't get that in the states or the three thousand person town. <laughs> you couldn't find that stuff. So she would even make that. And then it's got some real cherries in there. And I don't like cherries, no. but a black forest cake, a real one, it doesn't even. I, I don't even. <laughs> My favorite is German chocolate cake. Mm. I love me some coconut. Coconuts, which are indigenous to <laughs> Germany. <laughs> I love... I don't really like cake that much. And I don't like icing. Like, I prefer this than, like, an icing. Mm. Like frosting. Yeah, frosting. I don't like frosting. It's A German chocolate cake has that, like... It's not really frosting. It's kind of like that mix of whatever's on there with coconut and nuts, I think. I don't know. It's yeah. really good. The crust on this... <laughs> oh my god. It's not really so the, the cake part. We made a mess of the icing. Yeah. Yeah. But the cake part is amazing. This is a good choice. Yeah. For not knowing what we were going to get, <laughs> we did good at picking out recipes. Because these are all things that we didn't know. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're cooking blind. We don't have any... There's no pictures to, to tell us like the steps. So sometimes it's just, oh, you got to improvise around it. Yeah, when you don't know what something's supposed to look like... It's very confusing to me. I think I would eat all three recipes again. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, that's the final product. Thank you very much for spending these 
many hours with me yeah, thank cooking. You. Thank you for joining us for dinner. <laughs> Remind people where they can find you elsewhere on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am on Oh Hot Mo or Not with the girls. Uh, we have lots of fun there. Yeah. And you're on YouTube. <laughs> I'm also on YouTube, but I, I haven't been there for a while. I've been okay. very busy with my thesis. <laughs> if you've never seen any of your videos, then they're all new. Yeah, well, it's it's the Amy Ultraviolet channel. I talk about makeup and skincare and stuff. There so. you go. Well, I'll see you down at Quark's for some last drinks. I'll just have to stay here a few more minutes to record subspace transmissions, which are Star Trek news and angry feedback from our last episode. <laughs> so which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Eight Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, Doc <laughs> Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. <laughs> the girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Incoming subspace transmissions. In Star Trek news, while I'm not looking to talk about Discovery Season 2 spoilers, it may be interesting to speculate about Marina Sirtis showing up on set and specifically tweeting at Mary Wiseman, who plays Tilly, afterwards. It may just be an innocent visit to see her old friend Jonathan Frakes, who was directing Episode 2 while in Toronto on other business, but it could also be more. I'd say the frontrunner theory is that she plays Tilly's overbearing mom, which would be a nice nod to Deanna Troy also having had and overbearing mom. We also keep hearing news of Nicholas Meyer's secret Star Trek project, and he may have finally let something slip. At a Q&A, he confirmed that this project was for television and that it had nothing to do with Discovery. And he further called it a standalone Star Trek-related trilogy, which is more or less on hold until the Paramount-Viacom merger is sorted out. In other words, it involves concepts owned by Paramount that CBS All Access can't yet exploit, which is more or less anything from the films. My my guess is that Meyer is working on Khan's survival on City Alpha 5 between Space Seed and The Wrath of Khan, which was Meyer's greatest Star Trek hit, after all. The news I didn't really want to report because it's heartbreaking. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, Uhura on the original series, is reportedly suffering from dementia. Her son has made a statement after filing legal papers to prevent certain parties from exploiting Ms. Nichols. We at the Fire and Water Podcast Network wish her and her family well. Changing gears, if you're looking for more Star Trek content during the summer hiatus, Netflix has released the second half of The Toys That Made Us, its cheeky documentary series about toy lines, and its first episode is all about Star Trek toys. Not just about one toy line, it tracks what is essentially a history of misfires from the early days to the collector's market of today. You might also want to check out IDW Comics, who are publishing Mirror Universe stories right now, featuring the next-gen crew, as well as what happened in the Mirror Universe after Discovery Season 1. And speaking of which, on this very network, you should check out the last episode of FW Team Up, in which I and past guest of the show, Ryan Blake, talk about Assimilation Squared, IDW's TNG Doctor Who crossover. And looking further out, Star Trek cousin The Orville, its second season, will start only in December as a mid-season show on Fox, uh, with 14 episodes set to air over the winter months. Your feedback on episode 21. This was the Star Trek Hero Bracket, a very controversial show. Uh, you know, a fight between 64 Star Trek heroes and uh, only one could come out on top. Let me just read a selection of uh, negative mail on this before we head into the more positive side of things. Uh, David Is Gutierrez on uh, Facebook said that he demanded a recount. Uh, we had uh, Mark Baker Wright who uh, looked at that bracket and found it to be flawed from the get-go. First rounds are supposed to be number one seeds versus last place seeds. When you group characters together, like here, Picard versus Riker, in round one, really, you've pretty much guaranteed to make enemies before you even started. My intent, as stated on the show, was to create themed pairs to, to make the, the discussion more interesting. Uh, and Mark said that his position... 
that this is the wrong way to do tournament-style brackets stands. Uh, they're done the way they are in real life, that is, to ensure that the later rounds are the best of the best. To do it this way robs those later rounds of meaning, as obvious winners are more likely later instead of earlier, for the most part. He goes on, he says, I think the very first pairing, Kirk versus Sulu, is a great case in point. It was fairly obvious that you broke the tie the way you did because you didn't have the stomach to cause an upset. The exact same pairing would likely have had the different results if only it took place in a later round and would have been more natural in my proposed scheme. All that said, this has indeed been a lot of fun and despite the comments I'm seeing elsewhere, I found little to be angry about in most of the actual results, even when I've disagreed with them, as I do Kirk versus Sulu. Kirk could easily have been paired against, say, Chekhov, who it was obvious wouldn't get much love, rather than Sulu, who it was obvious would. It's not rocket science, just because it's not a set formula doesn't mean that it can't be done. At least you didn't pit Kirk against Spock from the get-go. That was round two, and a lot of people took exception to that as well. But to me, nothing was actually obvious, because Chakotay, for example, I thought would be you know easy to write off, but he wasn't. He had fans. He had something interesting about him. And you know my panelists kept him alive a lot longer than I would have. So change a panelist, you get a different result. And I didn't personally want to game the results by you know showing my own bias, putting pairs up. It's not like out there there is a top 64 Star Trek hero that would have fit this bracket. I couldn't go to a third-party list and say, well, that's the pole position. So the way I did it is that I did. I was not interested in who wins. I, I was interested in entertaining the listeners. I wanted my guests and myself to, to squirm and find it difficult, and that's entertaining in and of itself, to face Sophie's choice as often as possible. So to me, that was more fun than a fair contest when, where the results are really obvious. So we're always doing Kirk versus Chekhov, uh, McCoy versus uh, Chapel was one was actually one that we did. When the outcome is so obvious and in the first bracket, that's 32 matchups that are going to be very obvious and not really force a discussion. People would just go, well, of course McCoy over Chapel, of course Kirk over Chekhov. And then we wind up not talking about a lot of these characters because no one wants to show them love at that particular point. So uh, I feel confident the way that we did it was for entertainment value. Uh, it's not an actual sports game where you want your, your top picks to end up in the finals. And even so, by the finals, you've got some top picks there, of course. Uh, Mark says, uh, we can agree to disagree on what best meets the objective, but I certainly understand and agree that entertaining listeners is the goal. And actually, an unrelated comment regarding Chakotay versus Janeway in response to the group's comment comments on the show. To my own mind, Chakotay was bland, but essentially harmless, while Janeway was actively awful. That put Chakotay above her rather quickly in my own head, especially after the representation piece, Native American for Chakotay, female captain for Janeway, was essentially a draw. Still on the negative side, Ryan Daly said, I retroactively unlike this episode. Uh, once you listen to it, Shag Matthews said only halfway through it, and I already dismissed this episode as a mirror universe farce. Uh, and of course, I got a lot of comments, uh, just personal comments on, uh, you know, Facebook chat or, uh, you know, uh, direct messages uh, that were from friends and thus gentle or not so gentle ribbing meant in good fun. Of course, this is what happens every time you, you're... Your guy doesn't go far enough in the pools and uh, you're suddenly very upset. But bottom line, to me, if Kirk, for example, was not going to be the number one, it doesn't matter to me if he loses in round one, two, three, or four. He was never going to be the top one. And that's the, the ultimate goal of the exercise. Let's go for neutral or positive comments on fireandwaterpodcast.com, which is where most people leave comments. Chris Franklin said, if Sulu had beaten Kirk in the first round, I would have refused to participate in the next Fire and Water pot luck. Well, I was only bringing crackers anyway, Chris. He says, seriously, I love me some Sulu and Star Trek VI, but I was hoping to see Kirk advance beyond the first round, which he did. But when you put him up against Spock, I knew the actual human being factor of Nimoy versus Shatner would sway the panel, and it did. I can't be upset about Spock taking it all, but Kirk is still my hero, and in real Trek fiction, he would have figured out some way to beat everyone on the list. He does that before breakfast every day. And then he asked uh, us to do the villains next. Khan all the way. Yeah, Khan would very much be uh, you know a front runner in that competition and uh Despite a serious drain on my hit points over the course of this uh, bracket event, I do plan on doing on doing a bracket fight for villains uh, next year. Davidis Gutierrez says, When I heard it looking like Sulu was winning, I thought Cindy Franklin had written some big checks to some podcasters. 
<laughs> uh, Max Travers says, I cannot argue with the final results, even though Dr. McCoy is by far my own personal favorite Star Trek character. Spock is perhaps one of the greatest and best realized characters in fiction, let alone Trek. Shag, uh, Matthews says, Riker over Picard in the first round. What fresh hell is this? I invalidate this entire episode. The panelists were clearly mirror universe doppelgangers. Okay, I guess that, that falls in the negative. Uh, then Mike W says, my bracket got blown away within minutes when Scotty beat out Uhura, but my ultimate choice won, so I feel somewhat vindicated. So you're going to do a villain bracket too? That'll be cool. Just make sure you put Garrick and Khan on opposite sides so they face each other in the final. Already gaming this stuff, eh? Uh, Mark Baker right here says, full disclosure up front, I have a well-known antipathy against Kirk. I honestly can't understand why everyone else loves him so much. To me, he's the antithesis of a hero. He's the exemplar of someone constantly rewarded for bad behavior. This is not just someone who knows when a bad rule needs to be broken for the greater good. Rather, he breaks rules often without regard to whether or not it's the right thing to do on little basis other than whether or not his gut tells him to do so. Boston Moss says, interesting, though I think it should have been more than one episode to build up the suspense. Well, no, I, I couldn't make that pain last. L uh, Lieutenant Russell Burbage of Planet Rimbor. He says, I guess I didn't read the fine print or misunderstood the premise because I filled out my bracket as if it really was a fight. So, of course, I had Scotty beating McCoy, for instance, even though McCoy is the better character. So, oops. Yeah, this wasn't a, a brawl. It was, uh, you know, a discussion on the qualities of the characters. Uh, he says, still happy that I got the final two right and pick the eventual winner. Uh, and then Tim Price says, my final two would have been Spock and Data. I sadly underestimated Cisco. Shame on me. Yes. Uh, Facebook likes and shares from Aaron Levitz, Abel Mevada, Adam Ackerman, Alan Middleton, Alan W. Wright, Brian Ng, Brian Linton, Chris Franklin, Christopher Ball, Corey Drew, Daniel Budnick, David A. Gutierrez, D. Bash, Derek William Crabb, Fan Holes Podcast, Frédéric Clément Melanson, uh, Gord Tolton, who says can't wait for the fire and water bracket. Chris Franklin takes it all. Holly Rowe Weeder, Jennifer Lee Breyer, who says first, I would not have killed Corey Drew if he had voted for Wesley over B. Crush. I just would have puppy-napped his dog. A second, Jean-Luc Picard deserves more love, says the major B-Crush fan. And finally, the ultimate Star Trek hero ending was perfect. Good stuff. Who else? Well, John Trumbull, Kurt Onstad of Welcome to Geek Town, Mark Baker Wright, of course, Max Romero, Max Traver, Mike Gillis, who says, I'm rooting for Garrick. I hope Garrick uh, did as well as you hoped. Rich Matsumoto, Rob Kelly, Ryan Daly, uh, Shaq Matthews, Sean Strawbridge, Terence Castonguay, TJ Damon. On Google+, Plus, we had the Hammer Strikes on Twitter, retweets, and favorites from Charles Griffith, Chris Lewis, who hoped uh, it was Mod the Barber, uh, Coffee and Comics, who said, those Trek Bracket results are so wrong, 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 that they are probably right. I lost quickly once you got to the right side of the bracket. Still a fun episode. Any chance of a villain one? Yes, as well. What about ships? Once I told him we would do villains, he says, can I submit a ballad that just says Evil Clone Kirk across in bold red letters? Or did uh, Rob Kelly beat me to it already? So that's a little bit what uh, Rob did for the hero bracket. As to the guests for such a bracket fight, he says, just as long as they are experts and not people like me, I'm glad everybody was so well-versed in their Trek lore in this one. Uh, also, Chuck Rodriguez, David S. Gutierrez, David Gallagher, Earth 2 Chris, Fanholes Podcast, Greg Smith, Hokoff, Ignacio Rao, The Irredeemable Shag of Firestorm Fan, J. David Weeder, Justice Trek, The Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, Connell, Kristen Clark, Longbox Crusade, Max Romero of It's Plastic Man, Nathan Flowers, Rad Adventures, Rob Kelly Creative of So Many Podcasts, Scott X, Steve Chung, The Hammer Strikes, Tim Price, who here said, sad, I didn't fill out the bracket. Ah, uh, well, uh, maybe next time. Trekonomics, Trekbot, we welcome our robot overlords. And Willie Yarbrough, thanks for tweeting, retweeting, leaving comments. Whatever it is you do on social media, this is how people find the podcast. And uh, I'm happy for you to share it, just as I share it with you. As usual, let me remind you that you can leave comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com, on the Fire and Water Facebook page, or on Twitter with the hashtag FWPodcasts. Until the next episode, this is Siskoid reminding you to go boldly.